These are things that take a decision that you have to choose. Like, I really want to change this whole trajectory. I want to change having anxiety 24-7. I want to change, you know, feeling insecure. You have to stop doing a lot of the things that you think other people expect of you and that you expect of you and really dig deep into what is it I want for myself? How do I even want to get along in this life? You have a choice and you should use it. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. For those of you new here, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill Hall. I'm the voice and personality behind the comical Big Kid Problems, Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now, obviously, podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. All right. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that I love episodes like today's. I mean, truly, I love breaking down why we are the way that we are and learning how to get the hell out of our own way. Honestly, some of the most transformative shit that happened to me in my mid-20s was like the simple realization that I was the cause of a lot of my quote-unquote problems. Like once you realize that you're the master of your own destiny and you're the only one driving the ship, I swear, the rest of your freaking life begins. And a big piece of the puzzle for me, especially, was when it came to realizing how my own personal shit affected my relationships. If you've ever over-fantasized a relationship, gone back to a toxic ex, picked the wrong partner, acted a damn fool in a relationship, or simply just been single for a long time and can't seem to attach at all, I'm talking to you. (laughs) These might be signs of issues in your own attachment style. And I am so pumped to bring in our guest today to help us overcome some of these negative patterns. Behavioral relationship expert and author of the new book, Overcoming Insecure Attachment, Tracy Crosley is in the house today and she specializes in treating individuals with unhealthy life and relationship patterns. We're going to dive into attachment styles today, why we develop certain styles in childhood and how they show up in our adult lives. And I mean, they do show up in our daily adult lives, like totally aside from romantic relationships, they show up in our friendships, at work, in our families. So even if you're super comfortable in a long-term healthy relationship, I swear you will still get a lot from this episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. I mean, I loved this conversation and found it so fascinating. So if you do like this episode, please share the love, send it to a friend you think might like it, or post it on your Instagram stories and tag us. I love to see when you guys are just connecting with the show. I'm also going to be a guest on Tracy's podcast. So if you like this episode, there is more where that came from. And with that, I say we jump right into it, guys. Get comfy and we will be right back. Today's episode is focused on our minds, but we should also always be taking care of our bodies. That's why I'm so excited to have Athletic Greens as a sponsor of this show. I've been a huge fan for years. I mean, I first tried Athletic Greens a long time ago because I wanted better gut health and more energy. And especially now, like I love taking it every day to help optimize my immune system and just give my body nutrients it needs every day. With one tasty scoop of Athletic Greens into water, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. 
This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. I've had so many food aversions during pregnancy. Like I won't even look at a vegetable. So I love taking this every day to give my body the good stuff it needs. It costs you less than $3 a day. I mean, you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And it also supports your mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BKP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash BKP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm joined now by Tracy Crossley. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm totally excited to be here as well. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Before we got started, Tracy was telling me that her kids listen to the show. <laughs> I'll I how old really I am. Excited. I know, but I got so excited. I'm like, oh my God, this is a family affair. I love it. Okay. So I know you have a brand new book that just came out called Overcoming Insecure Attachment. We've talked about attachment style on this podcast before. I love talking about this stuff. I think it's so interesting. And before we kind of jump into this topic today, I was kind of hoping you could give us a little background on you, you know, maybe why you're like, if you're so focused on this particular area, is this something that you've dealt with in your own life? Like, let's get, let's get the backstory. Okay. The backstory is probably a little bit interesting because I didn't come to it by studying it in school that came later. So I, I became a love coach around 2008 And I really didn't want to be a love coach, but I was doing marketing and sales with these two women who had written a book and they said, Hey, we want you to be a coach. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't be a coach. How am I going to earn a living being a coach? It's ridiculous. But long story short, I became a love coach and I was in a dysfunctional, I don't even know what you call it, situationship, not a relationship at the time. And it sort of evolved as I was growing personally. I brought that into my work and I I think it was about four or five years in someone had said to me, Oh, you know, you're a love addict. I'm like, I'm a love addict. What? And so, you know, I read this book about being a love addict and I'm like, yeah, a little bit fits me, but not really. And then somehow I came across attachment theory and I'm like, Oh my God, I read the book attached and not that I'm going to go and shit all over the book, but I found my style was the anxious avoidant. And that was the one where they're like, yeah, you're kind of screwed. Nobody can really help you. (laughs) You know, you have to go find somebody who's securely attached or you're never going to get into a healthy relationship. And at that time I thought, are you kidding me? There's got to be a better way. So that's kind of how I got my feet into it. And I've come out the other side, you know, I got remarried a few years ago and I have a healthy relationship, which is the first healthy relationship I've ever had. Oh, wow. Better late than never. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've all had some unhealthy relationships in our past. That's kind of like, I I like to think that it's a way that we kind of figure out, you know, what works for us and and hopefully, hopefully get to a healthy situation later on. But for anybody who's maybe a little bit new to this topic, can you tell us about like what insecure attachment is? Like, what are some signs? Maybe like, maybe we can see if we have any of these, any of these uh, features. Sure. So there is this thing called attachment theory, and it was developed at first by Dr. John Bowlby. He was a psychologist, like in the 1960s. And you know, he had this idea that infants would attach to their caregivers. And he worked with somebody named Mary Ainsworth. She was an assistant of his. And she basically took it a step further. She did an experiment called the strange experiment. And in the strange experiment, it was about these infants being left alone with a stranger while the mom left the room because the mom was, you know, the initial caregiver back in the 60s. So anyways, it was based on how these kids would react you know, some of the kids would freak out, start screaming. Other ones would totally ignore the parent. Some of them would cling. Some of them would just seem to handle it all. It just was this whole parade of securely attached kids seemed to just 
handle it. They were happy to see mom. They didn't ignore mom. There wasn't any sort of dysfunction, but you had kids when they were ambivalent or they were avoiding mom or they were, you know, clinging that told you, okay, they don't feel secure in this relationship. They feel some of them, a sense of abandonment. Some of them, you know, were reacting like, I don't need you. So that develops from the relationship you have with that parent. And a lot of times, well, actually all the time, we carry forward our attachment style. So if you were fortunate enough to be born into a family where there was secure attachment, you didn't have all of these struggles. It's not to say that you don't have struggles, but you don't have a struggle of feeling like you're going to be nothing or disappear or, you know, this, this sort of feeling, as people have told me, of turning into a million ashes and just floating away when a relationship ends, you know, this Mm -hmm. devastation. It's one thing to like be upset your relationship ended. It's another thing to feel like your life has ended. Okay. I'm curious with this experiment, how, how old were the kids? Were they like babies or were they a little bit older? Two years and under. Okay. I'm curious. I mean, this is kind of a selfish question, but like I'm gearing up to be a mom and like, what are, what are the things you can do as a parent to like, make sure that you're kid develops like a secure attachment? Like what are the things that make a baby, you know, get in these certain like attachment styles? So having emotional intimacy with your kid is a huge one. And a lot of us, we may have had, you know, a household where we were taken care of physically, but emotionally there wasn't that closeness there. And it's Mm. not that you become a helicopter parent or you become, you know, overprotective, but what you are is you're open and available to your kid. The most important part is consistency, that you are consistent with how you show love and how you receive love because it's a give and take, right? I shouldn't say take. I always like it as like, you know, you give it and you receive it. And that's to me more of what a natural love relationship is. And that's how we're born in the first place. But it's to be there emotionally for your kid without taking away your child's independence. And what I mean by that is there's people, you know, when I'm talking about helicopter parenting or overprotective parenting, we tend to not want our kids to be disappointed. And so we'll take that away. We'll fix it for them. But then they never really get the skills on how to take care of themselves. So then they don't handle disappointment as an adult very well, which is kind of like this generation. (laughs) You know, I mean, honestly, because a lot of the parents that, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, everybody gets a trophy kind of thing. Right. So that doesn't really help anybody to want to excel because, oh, shoot, what's going to happen if I'm disappointed? I can't handle that. And, you know, that's why I think there's a lot more stress too for millennials as well. But anyways, with attachment, you know, that's one thing I think it's like, you have to be emotionally ready to handle your own crap. Because part of it is, if you look back on like what parents say, you know, parents don't want kids to irritate them, right? Parents don't want to be bothered with certain things, but that's about the parent. That's not really about the kid. Because a lot of times a kid is just wanting attention. And that tells you, maybe I'm not giving my kid emotional attention. So you want to do that. God, like going into parenthood, I'm like, how am I not going to fuck this kid up? You know, like, I feel like it's so hard. It's so hard. And there's so much to know. And like, that's crazy that they develop this uh, attachment style so early on, like before two. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, think about like, you know, in the 60s, I don't know if it was the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, somewhere around there, they would let babies cry, you know, oh, Mm -hmm. just let them cry it out. Like we're going to spoil them if we actually attend to their needs. Well, babies don't have a way of communicating. They're not going to go like, hey, you help me. Right. They're going to cry because that's the only way they can tell you something's going on with them. Hmm. So those those babies who get like left to cry it out, like are, are, is that how we get our our avoidant style? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or this you're is making a lot it. of sense. This is yeah. making a lot of sense. My yeah. I I was raised like my my mom is um like Scandinavian and like the Scandinavian parenting method is very hands off. <laughs> it's very like. <laughs> you figure it out. I'm going to like leave you outside and like go wander, do whatever you want. But like, yeah, I, I, I have like vivid memories of a child as a child, like crying and like mm-hmm. demanding attention and not getting it. And me being like, just sucking it in and being like, all right, 
Yep. <laughs> I'll show you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I totally get it. So, and it's, it's interesting because I've heard that from other people because I work with people all over the world and there is different parenting styles pretty much everywhere. You guys know I'm pregnant now, but after this baby is born, when I'm able to, you know your girl is going to be ready to take down a few margaritas. That means I need to be prepared and that I'll have no time to have a rough morning after drinking. There's no laying in bed all day aloud after baby comes. And that's why I swear by morning recovery by more labs. The drink for when you drink. Just take one bottle while drinking and feel better the next day or your money back. It's the perfect solution for those who want to enjoy alcohol, but still need to be on their A-game the next morning. So how does it work? Morning Recovery uses a patent-pending, plant-derived superhero formula that helps speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins. So you can wake up feeling 100% and like you did when you were 21. Morning Recovery also uses a proprietary blend of electrolytes and vitamins to rehydrate and restore lost nutrients. It's the smart way to drink every time you drink. So don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with Morning Recovery at morelabs.com slash bigkid and use code bigkid for 20% off your order. That's morelabs.com slash bigkid and use that code bigkid for 20% off. So interesting. Okay, I could talk about like the parenting side of this for a while, just because I'm I'm very, very curious. But for anybody who is okay, like let's say I, I was gonna ask kind of how an anxious like attachment style is born. And I'd love to talk about maybe some how this like actually shows itself in adult life. Like how what are some of the patterns that we might see and some of the behaviors that we might see ourselves doing that could point to being like, you know what, maybe you have this type of style. Right. Well, a lot of times people cannot get over somebody. Okay. So when you can't get over somebody, you're attached still. And I'm talking all, you know, people will go years with looking back at this one romance, right. That didn't work out. And they'll think, oh gosh, that was the person for me. But in reality, there's two things going on. Usually that's somebody who's an anxious avoidant because they're still attached to something. And at the same time, they're probably avoiding something in the present moment. They've probably been single for a long time. Pretty much anybody who's been single for a long time probably has insecure attachment issues. And the other, you know, the other side of that is like, I get a lot of people in their thirties, like that is a sweet spot in my business because they want to get married and have mm. kids. And it's become a thing, especially like females that I'll get who are more avoidant. Like they'll go on a first date with somebody. And this is a great one to tell, like, you're already judging him. Oh, I don't like how he parts his hair. Oh, you know what? I can't imagine kissing him. You know, just this whole litany of things, right? Can't do it, not doing it. And they're so, the fear is so strong that you don't realize it's actually fear. You just think it's, you know, your list and you're not meeting my list, but it's really fear. And it's breaking through that fear that's tough, but that's what you have to do because then you can get into a securely attached relationship. Okay. So, and I, and I mean, how does this show itself? I, we've been talking about like on a love relationship, but does this also come into play like, in our work life, in our outside life? Yes, it does. You know, it comes, I think, everywhere. I mean, I, I can't think of anywhere it doesn't show up because it's your insecurities. I mean, it's got the word insecure in there, right? So think about how you get attached to certain things. You could be on the job and maybe you're the team member who picks up after everybody else, right? You're always doing everything and the other people on it are just sitting around doing nothing. At least you think that. And so you're busy rescuing people and you're hoping to get validation that way. You know, you're a person who's not feeling really great about yourself unless you're overdoing and getting some recognition for it. Mm, that's interesting. Can people be like securely attached in love, but have this kind of play out like in the other parts of their life? Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a few of my friends who I'm like, I know they have, they have like excellent, great relationships, but I know that these types of behaviors can kind of flare up like in a working environment. 
Absolutely. You know, it's not like, hey, all, you know, my whole life is one big dysfunction or looks like one big dysfunction. It can be more dysfunctional in a place that you're more insecure about. It's really about where you're more insecure, where you feel a sense of abandonment. You know, a lot of us, we built up a certain caricature, let's say, of who we want to be or who we think we are, whether it's personally or professionally. And so we're always trying to be that. And that's where imposter syndrome kind of fits in there because we're afraid of being found out. And so we're always performing. I mean, it's tiring to be a perfectionist, to be a people pleaser. And, you know, some people do it with friendships. They don't want to lose their friends. They're always doing things. I mean, one of my coaches, I always tell the story, but like she had friends that relied on her to do things like she lived in a small town. And she had a friend that lived outside the town and her friend would go, Hey, could you go to the dry cleaners for me and pick up my pants? And like, before we started working together, she used to do that. Like she would, she would go and pick up her pants and drive like 30 miles to deliver these freaking pants until she's like, why the hell am I doing this? What am I, what am I getting here? So yeah, she had a big wake up call and she stopped doing things like that. Okay. This like, this brings me to something that I I always like talking about when we talk attachment styles because it sounds like she w- like attracted was attracted to people who are very different from her that maybe had like an, a a more like I don't know if you'd call that friend like an avoidant or I don't I don't know like in this cycle like what what I'm trying to think how to ask this like how does it do people if you have like one side if you're on one side of the spectrum do you usually go to like the other side. Yes, you do. And people that are anxious avoidant are kind of screwed. That's why I'm like reading attached. I'm like, oh, I'm just screwed because you possess both depending on the situation, but it's always the one who's more avoidant that seems to have all the power because the one who's more anxious, right? And even if you're an anxious avoidant, you meet somebody who's more avoidant, you're probably clinging because there's some kind of chemistry there. There's like that intensity. When you find intensity in chemistry, that's usually like not a good thing. It's more of a, oh, I need to do something about this kind of thing because I'm probably completely emotionally unavailable and I don't even know it. Oh my God. I'm thinking of, I have this one girlfriend and I won't, I won't say names and I'm sorry if you're listening, (laughs) but like, this is just such a clear example for me. Like she knows, like she's done a lot of personal work. She's like, I know that I'm an anxious attachment style. Like I have some shit with my parents. Like, you know, like I, I, that's how (laughs) I operate. And she's been dating this guy who is like a complete avoidant. Like he barely acknowledges his, her as his girlfriend you know, like they've been together for years and like she has to initiate every like step in their relationship. Like, should we move in together? Can I get a key? Can I leave like my straightener at your apartment? Like very bare bones things. And then he breaks up with her like every three, four months. And then they get back together like two months later. And she, this whole time, she's like, I know I'm in a cycle. I know I'm in a cycle, but she keeps going back to this guy. And right. if you're in a situation like that, like how do you how do you break that toxic cycle? Okay, so first of all, people will be wanting you to leave and you on the one hand feel like I should leave. Okay, so you've got to put that aside because that's pressure. And what happens is when you have attachment issues, it's like half of you is criticizing what you're doing. You know, you don't feel good about yourself. And the other part of you feels like you're holding on for dear life. And so you have to stop and you've got to be able to feel your feelings. And what I mean by that is when anxiety comes, a lot of us want to run from it or we want to fill it up by having a person, you know, like if you're attached to somebody, you're trying to fill them in that space. It's like, as long as they're around, I'm okay. But you don't even know what the hell you're doing there. And so two things, you got to find out how do I actually feel and allow the feelings to come over you rather than reaching out and asking, can I have a key or can I have whatever? It's what do I actually feel right now? And just be with your feelings because the more you can start to handle the feelings inside of your body, the more stable you'll feel. You will feel better. And the other part of it is you have to get curious about your motivation. And what I mean by that is we have intrinsic or extrinsic motivation. So intrinsic is more, I'm doing this for the joy. I have a connection. You know, this feels good to me to do. 
extrinsic is all about reward punishment. It's all about validation. It's all about, I need you to do something for me. And so as you get to know what your motivation is, then you can start to take little steps to get out of it. But if you just leave physically, you're not really going to know why you're there. And you got to know your why, because when you know your why, that gives you some kind of power to go, okay. And then you can admit it. Like, you know what? I'm in this relationship with you and it isn't fun and I don't enjoy it, but I can't leave it yet. I'm not ready to leave yet because I keep staying here. And I'm just letting you know because I'm sort of telling on myself, but I'm just being honest with you. So when I'm saying all of that, I'm not blaming the other person. I'm not making them responsible. I'm saying, oh, I got some shit here I got to deal with. And I'm letting you know. And I'm letting you know when I figure it out, I'm probably not going to be here. You start to treat yourself like a human being, you know, like somebody who matters. Because when you're attached like that, you don't treat yourself like you matter unless that person treats you like you matter. So it's a whole cycle. Like I could talk on and on about it, but those are really like the two key components to me are about the feelings and getting your motivation. Yeah. I feel like that finding your motivation piece can probably be like easier said than done. Like, I feel like I've had some sit down chats with like this one girlfriend and like, and have tried to uncover, like, why is it that you think you keep going back to him the second he calls you, like the second he, like you've been devastated for five months. Like I, I literally had to pick her up and move her out of this guy's apartment. Like he gave her two hours to move out. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, like was horrible to her. And I'm like, why Why do you want to go return to this guy who treated you so poorly? And she just was, be, she'd just be like, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. For anybody who's just like, I don't know why I am this way. Like, how mm-hmm. can you dig in and like try to uncover that shit? That's why you got to stop and like, stop. Okay. I'm trying to text him to get him to tell me that he likes me. He loves me. Like I'll make up shit so that I get some response. Okay. Stop for a second and just be with all those crazy feelings, literally, because if you can get in that present moment, rather than in trying to solve a problem that doesn't actually exist, which is the way you feel, because this all comes from the way you feel. This doesn't come from anywhere else. And when you get that and you start to feel it, and then you go, okay, I am emotionally resilient. I can handle my feelings. Things start to get clearer, but it's like all that is in the way of seeing anything clearly because you can't. You can't as long as you're trying to get something. The other thing I will say, if you want to reach out to somebody that you're attached to, on the other hand, okay, which sounds like completely counterintuitive, do it because that's how you're also going to learn because you're going to get disappointed and you're going to keep being disappointed. And at some point you're going to go, okay, I'm so tired of being disappointed. I'm, you know, I'm over being disappointed. It'll just happen. And that will help you too, to discover what the hell is my motivation for this? Oh my God. That actually, that actually is really interesting advice and like something you don't hear a lot. I know I had what my worst breakup ever, like the guy I thought I was going to marry before I found my actual husband. When we broke up, I was so devastated and I acted a damn fool. Like I would show up at this guy's like apartment. I would call all the time, but I was doing basically what you said. Like anytime I wanted to reach out, I did it. And I like did all the stuff that I did to try and win him back, like try and be boyfriend, girlfriend again. And eventually I kind of like, I had to sit down with myself, like after doing, like, I think I like did some big girlfriend move where I like baked him cookies or something before, like he had something coming up and he was like, <laughs> thanks. And afterwards I was like, are you done? Like, are you done? Like you, this is so, you, we're embarrassed. We are embarrassed. And that was kind of like the finals. That was, it was very, it gave me like closure at that point. I was like, okay, this isn't, I did everything I could. Like, I actually feel okay that I at least tried as hard as I could mm-hmm. and it's not working out. And like, now I can start to move on because it's like, I'm embarrassed basically. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about dating in this episode. And if you've got a hot date, a romantic anniversary coming up, or even just going out on the town and that's sexy little body hugging number, you deserve to look and feel your absolute best. So feel the control and confidence you need for any occasion with Honey Love Shapewear. 
I'm a big fan of shapewear in general. I mean, it doesn't matter what your body type, shape, size is. It just makes your clothes fall better and look better. Every time I have a big event or party or I'm on a stage, like I've always got shapewear underneath. And Honey Love is shapewear you actually want to wear. Designed for comfort and looks, Honey Love is as beautiful as your favorite lingerie with unparalleled construction. Unlike your grandma's girdle, Honey Love is made from premium materials and constructed with a signature X that targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. And Honey Love's super soft and flexible boning means your shapewear never rolls down. And I mean, that's like one of the things I love most about Honey Love. I love how soft the material is. Like that is the biggest thing when it comes to shapewear for me. Like it has to be comfortable. And it's not just me. People love Honey Love. Honey Love has been featured in the New York Times, on Good Morning America, in Brides Magazine, and has thousands of five-star reviews. Plus, there's really no risk. Honey Love covers the shipping and restocking to make all U.S. returns completely free. You deserve shapewear you'll want to show off. So see for yourself at honeylove.com and get 20% off a second item. Plus, when you use code BIGKID, you'll get an additional 10% off your entire order. So get 20% off your second item plus an additional 10% off at honeylove.com with code BIGKID. That's honeylove.com, code BIGKID. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, and and the thing is, like for some people, they don't care that they're embarrassed. Like I've done something very similar and it still took a while because I lived in a fantasy of what I thought was going to happen. Mm. That's why, but being disappointed by what you're doing brings you into reality. So when you got the fantasy going, it's like, no, you want more reality. And that's also why you want to deal with your feelings too, because the more you deal with your feelings, the clearer you are. Oh, wait a minute. I'm trying to hand my feelings off to another person to fix somebody who doesn't have the tools, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. We always pick somebody who it's like, there's just no way. (laughs) How can you, if you, if you've noticed this pattern in yourself where you're like picking the wrong freaking person over and over again, like what can you do to adjust your picker? Okay. So it's so funny because it really is about your picker. It's not about the other people. It's all about you. And it's all about your own emotional unavailability because when you have attachment issues, you're not emotionally available. What you are is you're in a life or death situation. Like your brain is in fight or flight all the time when it comes to relationships, when that's the part of your life that, you know, is affected. Right. So, you know, what I find is that first of all, by being committed with both feet in to dating, okay? If you're committed with both feet in, it doesn't mean I'm sticking my toe in and I'm kind of here, kind of not, kind of checked out, kind of not. No, you're in, you're in on the date. You're there to be curious. You're there to learn. You're not there to impress. You're not there to figure out, is this the love of my life? All you have to do is show up and be yourself, which is hard for people to do. Because a lot of us have a dating face, right? Like I act a certain way and then, you know, like the guy is going to think I'm awesome and, you know, I'll be sexy and sassy. No, just be you, right? And when you start paying attention, like this is what I did before I met my, my husband, is that I started paying attention when I was on dates to half the shit I would do. Like I wasn't really interested in going out with somebody yet. I would try to be impressive to them. So they would ask me out. And then of course I wasn't going to go out with them again. Right. But I just wanted that validation. And we don't realize that a lot of times we're like trying to get something, you know, from somebody, even if we have no interest in dating them again. (laughs) I, I, I think that's probably very common. Like, I feel like I've done that too. (laughs) Yes. And the, the problem with it is you walk away from the date disappointed because you're trying to do something rather than just going, okay, I'm going to go have an experience with someone. I'm going to learn about myself. Maybe I'm going to learn something from them, but it, it really is an opportunity to just learn and grow and be curious. Like I said, I went out with this guy one time who had a vineyard in his backyard. He didn't have a big backyard. He had a small backyard, right? And he knew a lot about wine. And so I, I would say, God, you know what? I learned a lot about wine through this guy, right? Not that it was anything exciting between him and I, but I got to learn that. And so instead of being disappointed when I was dating, it made me more curious, like, oh, what else am I going to learn? What am I going to learn about somebody? 
What am I going to learn about me? And then I met my husband, but there were still those guys who were avoidant that would show up. But that was like, I had been working on this for a while. I was like, no, I am really serious about wanting to be in a committed relationship. So I've spotted it and I'm like, oh, nope, not going there. Nope. Mm. What are some of those signs? Like, let, let's say, you know, you're, you've been attracted to this avoidant personality in the, in the past. What are some of those like red flags you should look out for to be like, wait a second, this is, this is, you know, that style. <laughs> well, having intense chemistry with somebody that you don't know is a big sign because if I don't know them, then I'm thinking of a story or I'm putting them into my fantasy about what I think they're about, right? So I don't know them. So why do I have all this intense chemistry? Why am I sitting, where's my phone? You know, why am I sitting here going, oh shit, do I have the text message? Is a text message come? You know, um, wonder what I could say to get him to do this. Whenever you're in that space, you're, you're attached already, okay? That's one thing. Another thing is there has to be consistency. If somebody's words and actions don't match, you are in a situation with somebody who has avoidant tendencies. That might be you, because a lot of times we'll say things and our actions don't match, right? Like, oh, I'm going to wait to hear from this person. And then, you know, you lose your mind and you're like, no, I'm going to say something today, right? So your words and actions don't match. We don't trust people whose words and actions don't match. So when it's your own, you're not even trusting yourself, right? So that gets cast onto someone else. Like if they're not coming up consistently, they're not progressing the relationship and their communication is inconsistent, then guess what? You have an attachment issue here. And that, you know, it's not like, oh my God, you need to run away. No, you need to figure out what is going on with me that I'm reacting to this. What part of me is tied up in somebody I've just met? That's that's interesting. Like what you say about if you already have intense chemistry, because I feel like that's what most of us are looking for. Like we want to go on the date and have that intense chemistry right off the bat, but that can actually be a red flag. It can be a red flag. And I'm talking about like intense chemistry, just to clarify that too. The kind of chemistry where you can't eat, you can't sleep, you're like thinking about this person 24-7, you're not functioning in any part of your life except for thinking about that and fantasizing about how you're going to end up riding off into the sunset together and you don't even know the person. Yeah, that's that's not great. What about the opposite? What if you're like going on dates and and I, you know, I feel like now is such a, a time where it's like all about like quantity, like with these dating apps, like you're meeting so many people at such a high volume. You can really get burned out on this dating process. What about the person who's constantly going on these dates and not feeling chemistry with anyone? So that's another thing that tells you that you probably have some avoidant tendencies because you're probably looking for the perfect person and the perfect person doesn't exist. And that perfect person, like that people will want, because I used to be in that category, right? It's like, oh, they got to be perfect. Not perfect, like you need to be perfect, but whatever my idea was of that, a lot of us, we're stuck in that story. Well, no, that's not good enough. That's not enough. That's not whatever it is I'm looking for. And the point is you aren't looking actually at the person in front of you. You aren't. They are through a filter of what every year checklist is, and you need to get rid of your checklist. Because frankly, unless they're an ax murderer, you don't have to have a checklist. You should be able to trust yourself with, I feel connected here. I'm having fun, you know, things like that, that are important. Most of us, oh, you know, who cares? They look good. Oh, then I'm in, or, you know, like they're the right height, the right weight, the right everything. And people can get really stuck in that and miss out on a great opportunity because it doesn't look like the package that they want it to. I have a couple girlfriends who are guilty of this. Okay. I want to talk about that for a second because I have a couple girlfriends and I, and I feel like a couple of people listening to the show might relate to this, that they are like, they're fucking awesome. They're like, great. They are so accomplished. They do really well in their careers. They are funny. They're gorgeous. Like they have everything going for them. And so it is extra hard for them to like find somebody that they feel like meet, matches them. And they're like, you know, may, maybe it's a really, it's a really great guy, but he's not that cute. Or maybe he doesn't have a good job. Like I, I don't want to date somebody who like isn't as career oriented as I am. Like if you're, how do you like, I, I know you mentioned you got to throw out your checklist, but I feel like it's, 
it's easier said than done. Like, how do you get out of that and, you know, start to date people that might not fit that fit into your box? Well, you have to become curious, first of all, because if your package hasn't shown up yet, then maybe you're misjudging the packages you look at. And that to me was like a big eye opener in my own life. I started going out with guys where I like not attracted at all, but I learned a lot. You know, I still learned a lot. I found that I was not emotionally available. And that's what happens a lot of times because you can pick three things that are important to you. Okay. Like as an example, I wanted somebody who was kind. That was like number one, somebody who is compassionate And I forgot what the third thing was. I think it was, I don't even know, creative or something like that because of how I am. Like a lot of times we have a checklist because of all the things we lack and we are afraid other people are going to judge us poorly if we show up with somebody who isn't matching what we think, again, that perfect package. And so for, you know, for getting past that, it's really just to be curious instead of looking at each date as this is who I'm going to marry, or this is who I'm going to end up with. If you can just go without, with an, I don't know, sort of attitude, I don't know. I'm going to go have fun though. I'm Mm -hmm. going to have fun because I want to have fun. Not because I'm thinking that this guy's going to get hooked on me or I'm going to choose the wrong guy because you got to learn to trust yourself. And this is a way of learning to trust yourself is just to show up, be curious, have fun and Mm -hmm. just see what happens. And if you start to go, Oh, but he doesn't have this or he doesn't have that, then you are looking at what is you, what is it you're afraid you lack? What is it you're afraid people are going to judge you for in going out with this person? Yeah. I hear, I hear this from my girlfriends all the time is like, they don't, they don't check all of their internal boxes and their thing is, well, I'm just not attracted to them. Just, I don't, I'm not feeling an attraction. You know, is that, do you think that goes into like this attachment style thing or? It goes into avoidancy. It does. I mean, you're describing it and I've worked with people that fit into that where they work, like one of my clients worked at the top, one of the top law firms in the country or not in the country, in the world. She's not in this country. Anyways, so. So we can talk about her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, she's great. I mean, she's in a relationship now, you know, and was not when we started working together and had all of these, I don't want to say tragic relationships, but whatever you want to call them, situationships, right? And just nothing was happening for her. And she was the same way. And as she got to love herself more, like not because of her accomplishments, but because of who she truly is, then things started to change. And she was able to actually go out with guys that were just ordinary, not guys that you know, fireworks were shooting out everywhere. And she noticed, and one of the things I had to go through too was, oh, wait a minute, I'm dating my husband. I'm like, I'm always smiling. Why am I always smiling? You know, I wasn't, because we didn't have crazy ass knock yourself out chemistry. We had, you know, he's attractive. He found me attractive and we had fun. And it was like, I'm always smiling. Okay, that's weird. I don't think I've ever dated somebody and been always smiling. Usually I'm freaking out or, you know what I mean? I'm in anxiety and I'm like, this isn't fun. But then I'd see them and, you know, that whole thing. And and that's what I think people have to get past, that life isn't a movie. I got such a good life tip the other day that I wanted to pass along It's the dead of winter right now. And if you're feeling sluggish, maybe getting a little seasonal depressy, you may want to take a look at your vitamin D consumption. Did you know over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support, including, you guessed it, that integral vitamin D. 
And a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, the results of taking Ritual are clear. Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. That is huge. I love Ritual Vitamin. It's one of the few multivitamins I've been consistent with because I actually like their minty fresh taste. And you don't have to actually take them with food. So they are just easier to remember to take first thing in the morning. And right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash big kid and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash big kid. I feel like with all my girlfriends who have like now at this point found their husbands are in like really strong relationships, like that's kind of been a common theme. Like I think that we, and I I was part of this too. Like I feel like I was always looking for that like movie, you know, chemistry where they walk into the room and you're like, that's the man I'm going to marry. <laughs> and it doesn't happen like that. Like it is, it's just like, it's, it's easier and like comfortable, but like, I don't think we're all out there like looking for comfortable. We're looking for fireworks. Right. And that's the problem when you're so tied into that. Then you've, that's again, you got to go back to what's my motivation. What is my motivation? Because if you really think about it, do you know anybody who's walking around having fireworks 24 seven, who's married? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's life. Life is happening. Life is not, again, it's not a movie. It's not mm-hmm. going to last in that way. It's not that you don't have moments that are fireworks. You do, but you're not living in that high or needing to be in that high. And a lot of people that have been single for a long time, they look at it like I need that bump because whatever they're doing when they're single, they're usually very focused on. And, you know, I live my life and they need, they're kind of like in a, I don't want to say in a boring place, but they're more in a, everything is under control. And then that person comes in with the chemistry. It's like dropping a rock in the water, it splashes everywhere. And that's you waking up and going, oh my God, I feel alive again. I feel like somebody's paying attention to me. I can be excited, you know, whatever. And, and that is a cycle. And that's something that you've got to want to break. See, and that's the other thing. You've got to want it. Mm-hmm. It's how much do you want it? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry. I had a little... My sound went out. Oh, yeah. No, we're good. Um, hundred percent. I I think that is the biggest thing. You have to want it, and you have to like. You're gonna. You got to be willing to kind of like sit down with yourself and ask some of these harder questions, like you were saying earlier. Like, what is my motivation here? Like, what are my actual feelings here? I think this is. I think this is all really good. I did want to ask you because I know in your new book overcoming insecure attachment. You talk about like a lot of other things and some of the effects of attachment style can have on you. Like I know you've talked about like negative belief negative belief systems and destructive self-talk. For anybody who might experience that stuff, what are some steps we can take to kind of like back off? <laughs> Well, usually when you have negative belief systems, and we all do, okay, I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, everybody, you know, you get to be 100% positive because your negative beliefs are your survival beliefs. They're what probably physiologically has kept you alive because that's what your subconscious wants to do. So your subconscious stores all your beliefs there, right? And it's like the beliefs of getting out of the bed in the morning and knowing there's a floor there. That's a belief. So a lot of times people think they can just change their belief by like, oh, I'm going to tell myself that I'm worthy. You know, that's one of my favorites. I'm worthy, really? But all your actions and your feelings don't match that. You feel like crap. And then your actions are not ones that say I'm worthy. So you first of all have to look at all the ways you try to show you're worthy, okay? So if that's a negative belief, like I'm not, you know, I'm worthless. How are you showing this? Well, a lot of people to show that they're worthy are overachievers, are perfectionists, are people pleasers, usually go against themselves. Like they sacrifice their own fun or their own yes because mm-hmm. somebody else wants them to do something else, right? Or, oh, I don't deserve that. I mean, there's all these different things that come in that are more fearful beliefs. But the point is, 
you're denying yourself. And so you have to look at all the ways you deny yourself, all the ways you try to prove you're right because you don't want to feel wrong. So when you stop doing those kind of things, what starts to happen is you no longer have the evidence that that negative belief no longer has that same evidence. Because if I'm always trying to refute it by, let's say, being a perfectionist, I'm going to be burnt out, I'm going to be angry, and I'm going to keep providing that information that I am not worthy because I'm killing myself over here. And then I'm probably watching my friends not kill themselves over there and be successful. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so not worthy. I'll just try harder. And then that doesn't create what a person's looking for. So it's to stop doing those things. Not easy. Like nothing I talk about is like snap your fingers and you're done. These are things that take a decision that you have to choose. Like, I really want to change this whole trajectory. I want to change having anxiety 24-7. I want to change, you know, feeling insecure. You have to stop doing a lot of the things that you think other people expect of you and that you expect of you and really dig deep into what is it I want for myself? How do I even want to get along in this life? You have a choice and you should use it. (laughs) I feel like I could do an entire episode on perfectionism because this is something I, I didn't think I was. And now I'm starting to realize like I I, I suffer from perfectionism. <laughs> it's like a disease. It's like a disease. Like even when it comes to this podcast, I was talking to another podcaster who's like very successful. And we were talking about like how much time goes into our podcast every week. And I'm like, I'm fucking killing myself. Like I literally get these recordings. Like I send them to my production team, but then I double check what the production team sends me back and like will request, like I said, um, at minute 15.43, can we, can we take that out? And then I like redo it. And she's like, you're insane. She's like, just leave it all in. Nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody does care. (laughs) Yeah. Damn it. So when you, when you catch yourself, cause and now I'm, I'm conscious of it since we've had that conversation and I'm like, Sarah, you're not going to go crazy editing this week. And then sure enough, I get that. I get that email. And I'm like, so what well, is let it me that just check. You? Let me just right. check. So what is it that triggers you? Like, what's the fear if you don't fix it? I just like, to me, I, I wonder if it's a worthiness thing, but I'm like, if somebody is spending their time listening to this show, like I want to provide a really good product. And I feel like if I half-ass it or if I, you know, don't provide like excellent quality, like I'm doing them wrong. I don't know. Is that and this is free, right? Know. Yeah. Is your yeah, podcast is free, free, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. But but the point is that you're really doing that out of fear that someone's going to find a problem somewhere with what you're doing, right? Because there's this fear that, oh, well, they have a problem with it. Maybe they're not going to listen to it or maybe they're going to tell everybody else, oh, her podcast sucks because it sounds horrible or what have you. Yeah. And like, she, why is she even podcasting? Like she sucks. Yeah. And that goes back to your worthiness. Yes. So. Damn. So that is an, that, that is a harder thing to, to overcome. How does somebody like start to overcome that? Well, I mean, I was a perfectionist for years, so (laughs) I'm laughing because I just think about, I think I was a crazy person at one point, like literally when I was younger and I was in corporate and I was a perfectionist on steroids and literally things had to be perfect. People had to be perfect. I had to be perfect. I didn't want to have any emotions. Like those were like pesky, get out of here. So what's funny is I would have all these high expectations of people and I don't have them anymore. Like people on my team, if somebody makes a mistake or, you know, like they fuck up, I'm like, okay, you know, as long as they take responsibility for it, I don't really care. It's like, whatever. Or something ends up looking half-assed. I joke about it. I laugh about it. And, you know, I share it with my audience. I'm like, dude, you guys are here because you don't want to be perfect either. You Mm. don't. And sometimes it's a little hard, like, you know, because I like certain things to work well. And I have to let it go. And it's hard. It's hard, but it's good because you see that nothing bad actually happens when it's not perfect. Yes. I, that, that I think is huge. Like the few times that I've like not emailed my production team to be like, take that um out. 
and the yeah. episode comes out, like I didn't get any terrible reviews. <laughs> and I'm like, of course. Okay. Okay. I can start to let this shit go a little bit more, but I guess it is. It's probably a little bit of a, a learning curve and it probably takes some time. It does take a lot of, it, it takes a lot of time. And I don't mean everything, but I do mean like pieces and parts because it depends on the meaning you put in it. You know, if you have a lot of meaning, you're putting in something like this is super meaningful. You know, if I put a podcast episode out and I'm saying or something else and I'm all about like, let it fly. You know, we have a recording studio in our house. My husband does my editing and he's always like, do you care if you want this? I'm like, no, just let it go. Let it go. And again, this has come from a lot of years of letting it go, of just going, the world doesn't fall apart. And I feel the cringy, cringe feeling and, you know, all the shame and whatever else I had attached to it. But I have purposely done things like celebrate my mistakes, you know, because if you don't celebrate it or at least not beat yourself up for it, you're just stuck in a cycle. And you're the only one who notices half the shit anyways. Nobody else is noticing, right? <laughs> So true. So freaking true. Uh, I'm working on it, guys. I'm right there, right there with you. As we're wrapping up, because I feel like we could talk about so many, we could go down so many rabbit holes and I could have you here for five more hours. I do know that you teach something, which is like a powerful hack on like how to change your life in 90 seconds. And I feel like I have 90 seconds to spare. Like I would like, I would like to hear this hack. Okay. So, and this is something that I didn't actually start out with it as a hack, but I had told it to some of my clients and I have like a group that they're in and they'll go, Oh, you remember, you know, do the, do the 90 seconds or, you know, sometimes I call it five minutes, whatever, 30 seconds. I don't care whatever you have. Okay. So you're in a situation that you want to get out of. Like you have that not fight or flight. You got the flight thing going on. Like I need to jet. I need to get out of here. Stay 90 seconds, wherever it is. I don't care if it's a phone conversation. I don't care who or what, because you don't know what's triggering you. Hmm. You got to get to what is triggering me to want to get out of here. Like my ass is on fire. You know, like a lot of times, like on dates, like I remember running to a car on a date, like, oh my God, I got to get away from this guy. I didn't know why. And so I stopped myself and it felt really uncomfortable because my whole life I've had this pattern of, no, I've got to leave at this point, whatever that point was. And, you know, the situation, right? I got to hang up the phone. I've got to not be here for that. I got to change the subject. Okay. I don't like this subject. Oh, it's getting too deep. Oh, it's getting emotional. Oh shit. I better change it. No, don't do any of that for 90 seconds, like literally 90 seconds. It's the most uncomfortable 90 seconds of your life, but you're going to discover what actually happens, which is you're not dead. <laughs> you know, like Nothing is going to kill you, even though it can feel like you want to get out in you know that life or death way, but you literally hang out and you start to discover, oh, oh, wait a minute. There's nothing really going on. My clients use this all the time. And they're always like, oh my God, I totally found out that this date, I, there was that feeling like if I spent 90 seconds more with that person, that I was somehow, you know, going to die or something like that's the feeling. But yet I stayed and I got curious, like, what is it turning me off here so much? What is it that's, you know, making me want to leave? And they got clear and then they went, oh, who cares? I don't need to leave in the next 90 seconds. In fact, the more you stay and you stay present in your body, like you're physically present, you're here, you're now, you start to feel more confident because you're like, oh, I don't have to run away. Hmm. That's interesting. I get that all the time, <laughs> but I like to blame it. I like it to blame it on being pregnant. I'll be like out at a, like out with friends and I'll be like, I need to leave immediately. Like it just like hits me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> My feet hurt, but maybe I'll stay an extra 90 seconds. And see, or you can also check in and go, am I wait, you know, like, do you feel like that to begin with? And did I want to be here in the first place? And you may find, <laughs> right. Cause you might find that you made a choice. Like, oh, my friends are, you know, wanting me to be here, but I'm really tired. And I didn't feel like going out in the first place kind of thing too. You know, uh, that would be the, the title of my autobiography. <laughs> I didn't want to be here to begin with. 
by Sarah Merrill. Oh my God, we found it. I love it. Tracy, Tracy, thank you so much for being on today. I feel like we got a little fun, little crash course. And if anybody wants to find more of you, learn more about this stuff, where can they find you? They can go to tracycrossley.com and all my social media links are there and my book is there. Like everything about me is there except my blood type. So you guys will get everything. (laughs) Amazing. I'll link it in show notes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, remember to hit that subscribe button and leave a nice little five-star review for this podcast. Maybe send it to a friend who you think might enjoy the show. I mean, your reviews and you passing along this podcast is what keeps us running. So thank you. If you want more from me, you can follow me on Big Kid Problems on Instagram and on my personal account at Sarah Merrill underscore Hall. Oh, also you can check out my brand new pregnancy podcast called Bottle Service. Many of you know I'm actually pregnant right now and this new show goes through pregnancy week by week with me and actually gives a ton of information. It's kind of like getting the inside scoop from your pregnant best friend who will tell you all the shit no one else will about what pregnancy is really like. It's a lot of fun and actually really informative. So check it out. As always, I want to thank our sponsors for making this show possible. I've linked all our discounts and everything else you could want from this episode in our show notes. So make sure to check that out. And finally, I want to thank you for tuning in and supporting this show. There's a lot of ways you could be spending your time right now. So I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And with that, I hope you guys have an awesome week and I will see you next Tuesday.